we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov mm. out here on the East Coast. Adam Stanko is out West. There's two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. Coming up on Thursday, the long form going ISO edition with future Hall of Fame NBA photographer Nat Butler. You know the name Andy Bernstein? He went into the Hall of Fame recently. He's been chronicling the NBA from the West Coast. Nat's been doing it on the East Coast. And some of the most iconic shots in NBA history have come through the lens of Nat Butler. So we'll sit down with Nat, who is not just a true professional, but a true gentleman. We'll sit down with him on Thursday. Adam, today's one of those days. We recorded this on Monday. Comes out midnight mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Is just one of those days where I've, I just want to scream. I don't know whether it was waking up in the middle of the night and then not really going back to sleep, so not getting enough sleep. Mm. Or it's the confluence of just everything going on in life, not just what's going on in in basketball, which we talk about, but we're still not back in New York City. We're still in the Philadelphia suburbs. The uncertainty is just at an all-time high. <laughs> Kindergarten is ending. We don't know when first grade is going to start, where we're going to be, what work looks like. The world is, as I've said for, what, months now? or really four years, but for months now, the world is upside down. And let's lump the NBA into this, buddy, because the league league got praised for its swift action in shutting down the league. And I've argued that they should have done it down. They should have shut it down sooner because everybody follows the league and they had all that intel from China and they knew exactly what was happening, et cetera. But they got all the praise, shut it down when they did. And yes. now let's it's it's completely flipped. I'm not saying that that the NBA is major league baseball here, but the league announces that we're back. Player Association says that we're back. They've got these dates, which you said completely arbitrary to begin with, and have doubted that they're gonna play anyway. You've been saying that mm-hmm. for a few weeks. But either way, how does all of this come out that we're good, we're back 28 to nothing on a um from team reps voting to, to play. And then all of a sudden players are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Where is the leadership if players don't know what is going on? No, the word I keep using just to describe life in general is momentum. Every day I feel like I'm using the word momentum to describe what's happening in our country. So, so whether what I what I use it starts, it starts with it starts with F and and ends with E D. Fed, fed up is what you're trying right, to say. Yeah, right. Uh, right. The world uh, is fed. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but it's momentum. I mean, I look. We've talked about the COVID cases and about how the, everyone all of a sudden decided this weekend hey, it's all over. So. We can all go without masks and everything. I'm like, are you looking at the numbers? Like, are you checking any of this, the data out? But still, again, if it's not impacting you and it's what the news coverage is and what have you, like momentum swings that way. All of a sudden, I can finally get discussions with people that I could never have agreed with me or talked to me about when it comes down to to racism or injustice or police brutality. We've seen the momentum shift in that direction. And, and hopefully that's sustainable. And now, same thing. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about, oh, the momentum of the league. Everybody wants to play. Everybody's on board. From top to bottom, the league is aligned 
in a united front to resume play and everyone's excited about it. All right, let's all cheer. And now we're finding out that that is certainly not the case, that there is a large number of players, there's a large number of people within organizations who don't want to return or at least have reservations about returning, certainly with the plan that they have in place. I just did an interview yesterday with a guy who does a Bulls podcast, Craig Moraz, and um, he, he was asking me about this whole situation and he was asking, well, if it doesn't end up happening in Orlando, could it happen somewhere else? And I'm like, first of all, no, there's there's no way at this point. The amount of of red tape you'd have to go through and the bureaucracy and everything that would be involved in going somewhere else. But also just this idea that how bad it would look for the league. I mean, if this doesn't if this plan doesn't work and it seems like everything was right and in place in terms of structurally a plan, the real estate with the hotels, quarantining. All those things. If you were now to go somewhere else, just the embarrassment for the league, I think you're way better off saying, scrap it all. Let's just make sure we can start for the 2021 season, right? So Ty Alter, who, among other things, is J.J. Reddick's co-host mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. his podcast on The Ringer, and he, and he tweeted yesterday, somebody who was, was asking about locations on where to play. And, and he said, you'd think... They could just, why not just go to Wyoming? And someone wrote, well, there's like no hotels. And he's like, just rent houses. And at first I was like, he's got to be, he's got to be kidding, right? But then I don't think, I don't think he was. And so, so I did, so I did respond. And again, I could have used a response that started with F and ended in ED, but I I said, (laughs) I was like, do you really not think that the league didn't think about everything? Do you not think that the league wasn't looking at convention centers in Idaho everywhere? You think they were just like, you know what? Ah, We'll just, let's just, well, they've got some courts there, some courts there. Let's just look at those two. Come on. Go to the Atlantis. Let's go to. Right. You know, you know, the league searched far and wide for any situation they could to get this going. Mm-hmm. And we assumed from the beginning that if they're going to move on a plan, that means that they have the science all set. So I, I remember that's we discussed that. Well, if mm-hmm. they're going to move ahead with this and say they've got a plan, that means that the science is there. Everything is was reliant on having the science in place to be able to take care of everybody physically. Well, when players are asked about, all right, well, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? And they don't have answers. And we had John Beckett, Nuggets assistant coach, on last week, and we recorded it two weeks ago. And I remember one of my big takeaways was, like, he, he didn't know anything. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. Like, I understand that the public might not know some things, but how do, how do team officials not know these things? So the lack of communication from all sides on the science of how this is going to work, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the science, because the league said we won't be playing until – Mm-hmm. we can ensure the health of everybody. And when the players and officials don't have those answers, then what are we doing? It was weird because one of the things that we sort of asked Beckett about was this idea, how are you preparing your guys mentally? How are you preparing them physically? What? And again, without the knowledge of what the play is going to look like, without the knowledge of, of the setup and how long they would be there and who would be allowed to come with them, 
that all factors into your preparation and what you're trying to accomplish. And Noah, as we sit here, we're like 45 days away from this. Like answers have to be, once you sign off and say, this is what we're doing, we are back. This isn't some rogue report that we're guessing on. This was the league saying, hey, we're back. We're ready to go. Let's go. And the idea now that this may not come to fruition, and you can't turn around after the fact and say, oh, well, I mean, we didn't realize how complex it was. They, they've always known that. To your point, they examined this. We just thought they had more answers than, than they did. And then the stuff that you hear now, like, well, they're in the bubble, but they're not truly in the bubble because people that cleaning hotel rooms might not be part of the right, bubble. Right. How, how, how many times <laughs> do we talk about the variables and all the other things? This isn't just players playing basketball. It's, it's bananas to so me. It makes me, so it makes so, me want to scream. Yeah, and 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 now you go to the other part and you go, well, okay. So who are the who are the influencers here, Noah? And who are the decision makers? And we know we know obviously that it's always been a, a strong voice from the commissioner. And Adam Silver has seemingly done no wrong, right? He everyone, even when maybe like no one has an issue with anything Adam Silver does. I, I don't know that there's been a, an authority figure in the last couple decades that I've seen in which is more universally liked than, than Adam Silver, right? Even David Stern had his detractors and there were people who had issues with some of the things he did. But every time Adam Silver has made a decision, it seems like at least among NBA folks, universally, they, they go along with what he has to say, or at least give it a chance. But in this case, I have to wonder, I, I come back to like the LeBron influence here, which is so big because I, we talked about who has the most to gain with the NBA returning. You talked about Adam Silver and I said LeBron James because LeBron winning a championship, asterisk or not, means so much to him and his legacy. And he doesn't know when there's going to be another opportunity. He doesn't know if he's one step away from an Achilles injury like Kobe had late in his career or an ACL tear or something happens with a teammate that doesn't go after him. I mean, doesn't doesn't stay with him for a number of years. So for all those reasons, it looked like LeBron playing some of the best basketball of his career. He wanted this more than anyone else. And I just wonder, LeBron and his sphere, how much they were pushing for this to happen in spite of maybe the pushback that a lot of the younger players were giving. So as players around the league are all split on this, and I think there was this thought from the outside that all NBA players would just be united in some way that they'd either all want to play or not want to play or just be assumed that they all wanted to play. Seems pretty close-minded to think that a group of 450 guys just all feel the same way. There well, is the... It's right, a, it's right, a good text poll. Right, and, and, and that probably got lost in some other players' text and they all didn't vote to begin with. Right, of course. Anyway, anyway. But there's the, the Black Lives Matter the point where we are in our country with the boiling point now for racism and the protests and can the players focus on that if they're not playing basketball, should they be playing or should they not be playing? I'm not going to say one way or another because at this point in my life, I'm not telling anybody what they should or shouldn't be doing, especially right. in times, times like these. But I do, I do think that, players continue, should, would continue to have the platform and most importantly, 
would continue to have the support of the league, unlike with the NFL when they were playing games and did not have true support from the league. I think the league itself would go as far as they can to work that extra mile to amplify the voices of those that want to be heard and those who feel that, well, we're playing and it's taking my attention away from the protests and where my voice should be lent. Yeah, and they've done that in the past. And we saw that with Donald Sterling and, and how the Clippers wanted to approach that, especially in their famous playoff series against the Warriors. And there was actually a lot of talk about whether they wouldn't play uh, with everything going on. And again, Adam Silver was a strong voice during during that time. He's been supportive of that. We've seen players with I Can't Breathe t-shirts throughout the years uh, as, as they've taken political statements. And, and it's not something that's been shut down because it was some uniform violation or something, which we, we saw countless times with NFL and things like that. Uh, this one's tricky because there's a debate internally and, and it's playing out in the, in the public right now as to whether this message is best with a protest of not playing at all, or if the message is best with, hey, we play, and then we're front and center every day, and we can still, as you point out, amplify that message. And I I would just like to point out that in the past, we talk about Colin Kaepernick a lot, but if you look in the past history of the NBA, there have been a few players that have taken strong political stances, especially as it relates to racism and oppression, and I think their messages got lost, and they ended up blackballed. Uh, Of course, not publicly, because blackballing is not something that's considered – you know, a public thing. It happens behind closed doors. But Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, formerly Chris Jackson, uh, mm-hmm. outstanding player in the league. He he wasn't uh, partaking as part of the, the Star Spangled Banner before games. He wouldn't stand. And he said the flag was a symbol of, of oppression and that the U.S. had a long history of tyranny. And when that story started to blow up, well, Chris Jackson's career took a, a major hit from from that. And, and people have argued, well, it was some religious beliefs that he had. And then and at the time, it was OK, really, if you think about it, it, it not OK for, for the rest of us. But I'm saying it was sort of this um, nationwide, like anti-Muslim uh, belief that was sort of taking place. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow it was, it was acceptable in social circles. So that was an OK thing to say, right? So that, um, mm-hmm. oh, it was his religious beliefs. But then... On top of that, they, they used the Tourette's and said they couldn't get that under control. Uh, and then Craig Hodges, Alex Kennedy just did an, art, uh, an interview with Craig Hodges, and he had said in his book that in the 91 NBA Finals, he talked to MJ and, and Magic Johnson about how they wanted to stand in solidarity with the black community while calling out racism and economic inequality in the NBA. That's a quote where there were no black owners and almost no black coaches trying to get Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan to boycott game one of the 1991 NBA finals. And if you think of the message that would have sent, had that been done, that's 30 years ago, Noah. But the point that I'm making here isn't just that it still exists, which is disgusting in its own right, that we still are fighting for the same things, still fighting for equal rights, civil rights on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But in addition to all that, in addition to fighting racism nationwide, Craig Hodges also seemingly blackballed from the NBA. Interestingly enough, wasn't even asked to be a participant in the last dance. They had over a hundred interviews and such, not saying it was for the same reasons or what have you. Uh, But just pointing out the fact that there have been players in the past in the NBA when they've spoken out 
And it's weird because Kyrie Irving now becoming the voice of the NBA, you have to wonder, like, well, I may agree with his message, maybe not. You almost have to wonder, is he the right messenger? And does it matter who the right messenger is if if the message is the important part of it? Continue on Kyrie in a moment. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. Let me tell you about Blinkist. One of the most useful apps on my phone. Use it on my phone. Sometimes the tablet. These days, Eden has the tablet more often than not. And the web. And it takes the best key takeaways, all that need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. And over the weekend, I was listening to how to talk to kids or how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Mm. And I was able to I was able to listen to that in about 15 minutes. So there's a list of thousands of books. And with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all for one low price. And there's all sorts of categories from parenting to sports. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. If you go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Blinkist.com slash NBA. Now, see, Noah, I, I would hope that maybe you could find me a book on auto repair. Um, I, I, I may have mentioned in a previous podcast that <laughs> um, Mike Yam, who's a mutual friend of, of ours, uh, one of the great, great guys. Celebrity. Uh, talented. Celebrity. Celebrity. Uh, people yeah. know him from, from the Pac-12 Network, formerly ESPN. Uh, Mike Yam sold me a car. Uh, not off the lot. He he owned it previously. And uh, it's having some issues now, Noah, uh, it, which would be a problem for me. I'm not too much of a car guy. But since I've discovered recently rockauto.com, I mean, I'm actually in pretty good shape. This place is un- unbelievable. So it's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And if you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And they have everything you could possibly need. And trust me, right now, my car needs a lot of it. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. If you need new carpet for your car, they've got it. So it could be for classic cars or if you're like me. Are they, just, are they called guys, tail lamps? Uh, what do you think? Lamps? See, that's the problem. You, you get two non tail lights oh, yeah well if you're an expert like me because Excuse i know sure your tail lamp is out listen that's tail lights. yeah well this might be the pecan pecan argument 
that we'll have to have after after the fact. But I just I'm trying to let people know know that RockAuto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You see all the parts that you need. Boom, you're done. But here's the best part. If if you're going to get a part, right? Mm -hmm. RockAuto.com, their parts are always reliably low. And so they're lower than you would get elsewhere. So why spend up to twice as much somewhere else for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. You see all the parts available for your car or truck. You write locked on. This is key. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that, of course, we sent you. They have an incredible selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I'm glad you brought up Kyrie. I don't remember when this was that we were doing the podcast and talking about characters in the NBA off the court, like Little Penny with Penny Hardaway and Grandma Ma with Larry Johnson and and Kyrie had this opportunity with Uncle Drew, who who became this great character. He got a movie, and and Uncle Drew had legs. And I was like, I remember saying, it's just such a shame that he's just an unlikable guy now. <laughs> and so when he when he said what he did about you know having saying that he would give up everything and trying to give the young guys a voice, and you don't have to do this. I give him credit for saying what he did, but he's got to know that that message would come across as more legitimate and would have more staying power and would certainly be much more effective if it came from somebody else. Now, who that is, I don't know. Someone of his talent who might actually maybe even be healthy and playing and without his track record of nonsensical thoughts, I really hope he shot that idea around first to see if someone else would take it before he delivered it on his own. It's, it's a weird thing because I could see it almost both ways that he makes a call to someone and it could come off in both ways if, if that were to actually take place, right? If he did that, on one hand, you could look at it like, here would be a selfless act like, hey, I've thought about this. I can back you up. We have people that are believing in this and it's gaining some steam internally. We don't want necessarily to just plunge ahead. Can you go and make some public statements? You could look at it that way. Or you could have also looked at it or in a phone call, if he does call someone and talk about it, it could be he thinks to himself, man, this is my thought and I have to own this, right? I can't be the guy to hide behind other stuff. Although we know when he hid behind his emergency deviated septum surgery, that was certainly um, certainly hiding. And when we saw him calling LeBron to apologize and said, oh, I didn't, didn't realize what it was like when you had to handle young teammates, which by the way, wasn't even like a sincere message. It was like, Hey, I'm backhandedly sending a message to my young Celtics teammates. Yeah, right, of yeah. <laughs> Like, which is so ridiculous. I don't know that a guy did more damage to his reputation than, than, I mean, I'm sure there are cases of it, but then Kyrie did though, while he was in Boston, like, like his damage to his reputation and not for stuff that was like that egregious. It was more just these subtle things that it was like nuance. Like, come on, man. It, it's insincere. That's that's the problem, and that really gets to the heart of what you're talking about here. And that is, should the guy, not the Kyrie can't say it, 
Tyree's obviously a bright guy. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a charismatic mm-hmm. kid. But it's just okay. I'll drop obviously, but arguably, how about that? Arguably, charismatic. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but you know, and it used to be this this, and he's super super talented, and obviously one of the faces of the league. We do have to give him that, mm-hmm. and all oh, those yeah. things. And he's been huge, and he's a fantastic basketball player who's been huge in big moments in pressure situations. Um, but I. I think the fact that he's been on inauthentic throughout his career is I think the biggest reason why you would say maybe he's not the right voice. It's not that it's necessarily controversial. It's not the flat earth stuff. To me, it comes down to he's been questioned for his authenticity. And when that happens and you have to lead a social movement, mm-hmm. that can be problematic. Right. And Woj, Woj's report about Kyrie on the call at the Player Association before that vote, his questions were about a sauna. And other nonsense items. Why not bring it up then? So much of this just doesn't pass the smell test. I I just don't get it how none of these concerns were brought up to leadership. I just don't I don't get it. I don't either. I don't either. Because it, it's it, it the NBA also, everyone kind of knows what's going on, right? I don't think you could you can pick another organization, a league that is like the NBA in that regard, in which the guys inside, maybe you don't hear about it as fans or as the general public, but guys on the inside know what's going on. Reporters know, even if they don't. That's the other part. Like, we didn't hear a lot of that opposition from reporters, and maybe guys were turning a blind eye because they were optimistic about the league being back or everyone sort of getting on board saying you know what even though there's questions about this or that we need to all just have the same message going forward so we can make this happen because our livelihood is at stake maybe that maybe that's the reason but usually you hear like differing viewpoints had you over the last few weeks heard guys saying like man there are a lot of players who really don't want to see this happen i heard there were a couple i heard oh there's a couple guys that maybe you don't want to play do you think it was just about them yeah. not speaking up? Like I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I had heard I had heard more more than more that it was just a couple of guys who had privately said, I don't want to play. More so because of now this just feels like the offseason. Not because that's of the other part. I know. Yes. Not because yes. not because of what's going on with racial unrest in our country. It was just the uh Look, it's like the off season already, and now, now what? We got to get back up and play, and I'm, I might get hurt. Yeah, but again, if you want, if you want to get paid, you no one's forcing you to do it. But if you want to get paid, and then, and if then if you if you don't do it, if you don't play, then you really don't have a leg to stand on once the CBA gets torn up and things don't go your way as a player in those negotiations. Yeah, and there are a lot of reasons, as you point out, for guys maybe now not wanting to play. There, there, it could run the full spectrum. It could be because you know you you're around people or in your family or something that have uh, issues in terms of their immune system. It could be because that you want to make a major stand against uh, the racism that's taking place. In this country, it's what the country is basically founded on. That that you want to take a standing and get get your voice out with the movement. Uh, there's so many reasons why that y- you could say something. And what's interesting, I would just point out, is that 
oftentimes, and I heard Vince Carter talking about this on the All the Smoke podcast with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. And he was talking about a return to the league. Actually, the older players will have an advantage because guys sort of know how to keep themselves in, in game shape and be ready and how to turn it on, turn it off, what they have to do, how they sort of cycle back to get themselves in good positions. And the younger guys would struggle with that. And so it's interesting to me that uh, where he thinks that the older guys could sort of turn it on in a way that, or at least their training and preparation, I would just mm -hmm. say that it's interesting. It's the older guys, certainly in the league. It seems like the veterans of the league are the ones who obviously have been, hey, ready to get back and ready to play. And it seems like this movement of mm, maybe we shouldn't head back is spearheaded by more of the younger generation. All right, you can follow Adam on Twitter at NaysmithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V, on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Coming up on Thursday, going ISO edition, long form with future Hall of Fame NBA photographer Nat Butler. Remember those iconic Michael Jordan dunks from the 88 dunk contest and the magic sky, baby skyhook and the mm -hmm. Starks dunk? And Bill so many Russell, others, all... 11 rings. Who's that? Bill, Bill Russell? Bill Russell? People, oh. people won't get, people won't get this reference until they hear on Thursday. And, and know it, but you got to tell people right now, go to in preparation of the interview, because you, you, you're saying to yourself, I don't know who Nat Butler is. If you're around the league and you're somehow associated within the league, you know who Nat Butler is. Yeah. But if you're outside and you're, you're a fan, I guarantee you will be stunned by how many pictures, maybe a poster you had at home that was a Nat Butler shot. And it'll make the, the entire interview so much more interesting. Check out his Instagram page right now. I think it's Nat L Y photo. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. No, Nat L Y photo. Mm -hmm. And do that before you uh, listen to that interview on Thursday. That's a good idea. You can also go back and listen to the other going ISO editions, long form interviews with Adam Morris and Earl Watson, Richard Jefferson, Sam Mitchell, PJ Carlissimo, Kevin Willis. Uh, oh, what about we can't ever forget Peter Vesey? That was a classic too. If you <laughs> haven't Peter listened Vesey. to Peter Vesey interview, <laughs> and, and and so many others, I always end up whenever we do this. I I always end up then just editing out those si the silent parts and putting them together yeah. as if I didn't just pause over oh. all of those. Yeah, always. And everything else going on on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, all things NBA Draft, whenever that happens. Hollinger and Duncan every Monday, those two crazy kids. Josh Lloyd with Lockdown Fantasy Hoops. He's still rolling out the all-time fantasy teams for all the franchises. It's pretty fascinating to listen. Lockdown NBA five days a week, and then, of course, your team every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.